Hey, so I'm not sure if you heard, but we are bringing back the private practice bootcamp experience. So listen, this will not be an ordinary bootcamp. Yes, that's right. We are glowing up your experience and your private practice. So what does this mean? Are you truly ready to glow up your private practice and your life? So I'm talking about crafting a big vision. Stop playing small. Who does that? Okay. We are dreaming big beyond just clarifying your niche. We are actually going to build up your confidence in your business as an abundant CEO. Now, listen, I've had the opportunity to host over 25 boot camps in the last five to six years. And I know that I am really good at teaching and delivering that information. But one thing that I have noticed that is missing with therapists right now is that they need a hype woman. They need someone to encourage them to show up and to glow up boldly and unapologetically. So here are the details. We start on May 20th. We are going strong for four days with also a bonus money session. We also have added our Facebook group with challenges and activities. Listen, y'all, we working. So in order to sign up to participate in all pieces, I want you to head down to the show notes and get on the bootcamp experience list so that you can get started with us. Now, also our private practice signature program DTA will also be opening soon. So make sure that you check the show notes and get on that notification list as well so that you can be the first to know about all the juicy bonuses that we have coming down the pipeline. It is glow up season. I will see you in the bootcamp. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Hey, welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. This is your host, Dr. TK, clinical psychologist and number one therapist business coach. So as we continue this topic of money, today we will be talking about how do you invest your money in the right vehicles. So if you have not had a chance to actually check out my last five to six episodes, you definitely, after listening to this episode, want to rewind and go back and download them and listen to them because we first started talking about mindset, of course, which is really important as it relates to money and wealth. And then we started introducing you to the definition of wealth and certain tips in order for you to adopt a wealthy mindset. And then now we're on investing your money into the right vehicles. And so why do I think that this topic is so important, especially as a mental health professional? So as a therapist and a grown woman, an adult, um, most people are not taught how to invest. Um, We're typically taught how to maybe make chore money. We're taught how to go spend money. We're taught how to go splurge on money, how to run up credit card debt, how to get student loans. But we're never taught really, I'm not going to say never, but a lot of people have not been taught really how to invest, where to invest, and when to invest. We also are not taught why investment is important. And when I'm talking about investment, I'm not just talking about stocks and trading. I'm also talking about intangible levels of investing because the primary person that you should be investing in is yourself. And so I want to share a Bible verse with you. This was a Bible verse that was brought to my attention at the beginning of our season in March of 2020. And it was by my business coach, Dr. Stacia Pierce. And so it's Ecclesiastes 11, 2, chapter 11, verse 2. 
And it states in the NIV version, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Literally the month that this great pandemic hit, okay, um, we had our mastermind call virtually. All of our in-person things were canceled. However, they poured into us like no other, okay? And so even though we missed being in person, we don't feel like we missed information. We actually, I believe that we received more information because of the times. And I mean, she's the manifestation and wealth expert, at least in my life and in my eyes. And so um, let me repeat that again. Invest in seven ventures, yes, even eight. And you do not know what disaster may come up on the land. So why am I sharing this with you? What year are we currently in, at least at the time of this recording? 2021. It is second quarter of the year. Can you actually describe your ventures in the last 12 months? Can you describe your ventures, aka your streams of income, before March of 2020? Because see, that's the issue is that as therapists, we've been taught how to go get a job. We have not been taught how to become a business owner. We may even be told how to become an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur is just simply, honestly, someone who may look at a business as a side hustle because they view what they went to school for as their main job, which is fine. But the language that you choose to use to describe your streams of income also dictates what you can manifest in those streams of income. So when my um, mentor, Dr. Stacia Pierce shared this with our mastermind group in March of 2020, I was blown away, but I was also happy that I did have more than seven streams of income. I'm also so very glad that I learned how to invest in right vehicles, not early, but earlier than a lot of my counterparts or a lot of other mental health therapists. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take you back. And I started making money when I was 14, getting paid under the table, definitely didn't have a job. But I used to go on Saturdays with my mom to her job. She would work on some Saturdays. It was called end of month. (laughs) So she would do end of month uh, accounts receivables. And what I would do downstairs is I would meet with the drivers. It was a produce company and they would deliver to like all the main restaurants. And so I learned how to do data entry. I learned how to key in the money into a computer system. I learned how to count their money. I learned how to put the money inside of the envelope and put it inside the safe. And then, of course, I give my mom a total so that she can give her supervisor. And, of course, she double counts it and she looks at everything. But it was just nice for them to teach me a trade. And I loved it because outside of even making, you know, a little bit of extra money to go to the skating rink with my family or my uncle or something like that on that Saturday night, I was also earning money from doing chores. And so I believe that my mom started teaching me the value of even earning money, but she wasn't a business owner. So she really couldn't teach me like the things that I know now in terms of owning and running my business, but it was a very good start. Okay. Then when I moved, of course, into high school at 14, 15 years old, I wanted a car and I wanted money. I wanted money because I wanted things that my mom didn't deem important, such as certain Type of tennis shoes and certain types of name brand clothes. So at 16, I got my first real job working in fast food. It was at Wiener Schnitzel, right by Lakewood High School. And throughout high school, I actually held down two jobs. I held down uh, Wiener Schnitzel for a short period of time. And then I also was working at Kmart when they had first opened in Compton, which is now Burlington Co Factory, downtown Compton. But I had two jobs at a time and I didn't understand bank accounts. My mom did. So she would make me put in a certain amount. 
But she would also let me keep a good wad of money literally on me. And I didn't know any better. I was taking this money all to school. And yeah, that just was all bad. Nothing happened to the money. It was just people were like, what do you do for a living? You know, it looked really bad when I would want to buy a pizza for lunch or buy some of my friends something if we were to walk to the store or to get food during lunchtime because we had passes. And then I bring out a wad of money. What do you think that looks like growing up in Compton, right? So then moving on to college, I still maintained different jobs, but two jobs throughout the entire college because then my mom upgraded my car into another car because the first car was more used, just kind of get me used to driving. And then the second one was a 2001 Toyota Corolla silver, like $10,000, no upgrades. I got to roll down the windows, but hey, it lasted me for over 10 years, right? So during that time in terms of streams of income, because I really want you to look at your history and see where were you exposed to streams of income, but you didn't know what you were actually being exposed to, which is crazy, right? So I was promoting clubs at night. I was going to school in the morning because I'm a morning person when it comes down to academics. Sometimes I would hold down a job at the school through the work study, and then I would go home or actually stay at the library to study because I know when I go home, I'm going to want to exercise, I'm a cook, and then I'm going to take me a nap. Why? Because I need to wake up and go promote for the club at midnight. Crazy life. This was definitely before graduate school. And then, of course, throughout adulthood and graduate school, same song, same story, but I just had various streams of income. So as you can see, based off of my upbringing, I've always been known as a person who's had more than one stream of income. Back then, I would have said, oh, I'm a hustler, legally. You know, like I like to make money and I liked the places where I worked. And when I stopped liking them, I would go find another job. And so it wasn't until my early 30s, and this may sound familiar because in developmental psychology, this is where you start thinking about your life. If you, you know, like settling down, getting married, if you are not already, you know, maybe thinking about having kids, you think about owning a home if you don't own a home already. So in my early 30s, I started learning about investments and I really wished as I learned it that I wished I would have learned it earlier. And so I became a life insurance in my mid 30s. I was trained to do what's called financial checkups to help people even understand where their money was going throughout the month because here are people that look like me because that's who I attracted in that business and they wanted to not have a GoFundMe account. So I would spread the news like in my church, I would host workshops just to educate people on financially paying attention to your money, you know, and making sure that you don't leave your children in your debt, okay? Because that's a mindset that I believe is very poverty driven, okay? And so I realized when I started being a life insurance agent at that time, because I no longer do that work, but I still have all that information that I now embed with my clients. And that's how we talk about money a lot. However, I had to be my own first client. I cannot go and teach somebody that what I'm offering to them as a product or a service is great for them and for their future and for generational wealth if I don't have it for myself. And then, of course, the information that I learned there, I made sure to tell my family. So me and my husband have our abundance funds through the things that I learned as a life insurance agent, and so do our children, okay? So I had to learn how to invest in myself first, simply by reading books, going to their workshops. I would literally have to go, you know, not fly, but we would drive like three to four hours to go to weekend events. It was nothing off limits in terms of me learning as much as I could about finances because it simply blew my mind in terms of what is still left to be taught in terms of understanding money. So some examples of how I learned how to invest my money into the right vehicles 
are as follows. And I'm just going to share a few. So one of them, as I mentioned, is that I was a life insurance agent. So I learned how to turn life insurance policies into savings accounts, retirement accounts, and what I also call like an abundance fund, because that's money that you can use or that your kids can use as you age, get older, retire, or heck, your kids can even be multimillionaires if you build something for them because it's based off of compounding interest, all right? Another thing that I did is I did not leave my 401ks at my old job. The analogy that I loved that one of the mentors in the life insurance um, agency world shared with us, her name is Tracy, is she said, you know, when you have a breakup, anybody in here have a breakup? And we were like, yeah. So she said, if you ever broke up with somebody and y'all live, of course, in two different you know, locations, and let's just say you had stuff over at their house, would you leave your stuff at their house if you're broken up? And we were like, no. You know, and I'd like to add something onto this. Unless you're trying to get back with them and you're trying to sneak to go over there again, you leave something on purpose, but we're not about to be petty. But nevertheless, the moral of the story is that if you don't leave your stuff at people's houses that you break up with, then why are you leaving your money at jobs that you broke up with? Right? Listen to that. Why would you leave your money in places that you're not going to go to anymore? And I'm saying this because a lot of people leave their money at their old jobs and then you forget that it's there. That is not healthy for your wealth. That is also not healthy for generational wealth in terms of whoever gets your estate when you leave, how do they even know that these things exist if you're not keeping track? So I rolled over my 401k into what's called an annuity because I didn't want to hit that tax you know, situation because they will tax you if you take the money out. And then if you put it into a IRA, which I could have done, but I would have been taxed heavily right now. So I said, you know what? I don't want to touch that money. Just roll it over. And that was nice. And because I was a life insurance agent, I actually got paid on the back end to roll over my own money because that was one of the beauty parts about doing that work is that I was able to help people. As you can see, my mission is to really serve. Okay. So my mission was to help as many people, especially that look like me as much as possible, black and brown and anything else that's colorful, you know, in which we were not taught these things and they don't have to pay me. They don't have to pay me anything. The company in which they contract for their policy pays me on the back end by them becoming a customer. That is awesome. That is awesome for the clients that I had. Um, Another vehicle that I had and that I'm actually currently getting back into as of this week, therapists who trade, y'all better holla at me. Some of y'all been hitting me up like, when you gonna get back and trading? Your girl is back, okay? So I made some investments in day trading. Other things that I've invested my money in, and disclaimer, I am not a stock person. I can't tell you what stocks to choose, but I have put my money in stocks and in cryptocurrency. I have invested in programs. I've invested in programs. Um, One of them is the Women in Wealth Club with my mentor. I've also, of course, have various streams of income in my business, whether it be physical or digital products, online courses, coaching programs, um, live events, uh, CE workshops. I'll also have a high yield savings account in which if I'm saving up for a vacation for my family, I also like to put money over there because it's out of sight, out of mind. When I log into my bank account, I don't have to see it. And if I don't see it, I don't want to touch it. That's the way our mind works, especially if you don't have good boundaries with your money. You definitely want to check out a savings account that's not connected to your regular accounts. Okay, so those are ways how I have invested in myself. But the bottom line that I really want to share with you today is that in order to truly invest in your future and you know, what's coming up for you next in your business, in your personal life is that you have to learn how to invest in you first, because everything that I've told you thus far in terms of how I've invested, it has been to better me so that I can serve more people. 
These are things that we don't even think about in terms of how diverse your wealth portfolio should be. Like I mentioned on the previous podcast episode, don't put all of your eggs into one basket. So you may be wondering, well, what other ways can I start to invest in me? Because I don't have a lot of free cash. I don't have a lot of cash flow, which is probably why you need to join the academy to get that cash flow going. So you can become your own shark tank. You can fund your other streams of income. But I will share with you what I actually did in 2020 to increase the investment in myself because it made me actually a better coach, a better wife, a better mother, a better psychologist, and every other role that I serve in my life. So I focused on my health, water intake, skincare. I got all my dental work done and it was a lot. But from December to March, I am literally done. And now I am choosing to do a consultation for Invisalign. Why? Because I've recognized that I'm really good at it, but clearly other people see it as well, that they like to hear me speak. They like videos. Guess what shows up on your videos? Your teeth. So I need to make sure that I'm on point and it's certain things about my smile that I don't like. That's me. Other ways that I've invested in myself is like for my children. So because we had a lot of home time and I wanted them to understand the concept of money, especially the baby, is that we went on Amazon and we bought a little fake ATM. We put batteries in it and it literally sucks in his dollars, 20s, 100s, whatever we have. And we let him, we, we split up all the coins between the kids and we let them put it, you know, in their piggy banks and then eventually it goes into their bank account. So they have little fake ATMs. Of course, they have bank accounts like my youngest son. He has a bank account for me and an account for my mom. And sometimes, you know, if she needs to transfer me some money, what do I do? I just say, you know what? I'm just going to pay for whatever you need out of my own checking account. But can you just transfer the money that you were going to give me to his account? Okay, that's wealth thinking right there. Also, like I mentioned, I have abundance accounts like these high yield savings accounts. I made sure that my life insurance did not get turned off despite what was happening in 2020, even though my 2020 was a great year. But some people did not and they were not able to pay certain things. They maybe got behind in things. Call those companies and see if you can turn it on. See how much it will cost for you to turn it on and see what the cutoff date is so that it will not get canceled. Do not lose out on investments that you've made before because you're going through a rough season. Pick up the phone, do me a favor, put your pride to the side and make the phone call. So as we wrap up, how are you investing your paycheck or the amount that you pay yourself through your business? Um, How are you investing your paycheck or your revenue from your business throughout the week, throughout the month, the quarter, and the year? Are you putting a percentage back into your business? Because that's also important. That's an investment in you because you are part of your business. As mental health professionals, you are your brand. Okay, you have a personal brand. What you do in the therapy room is your brand. So examples of investments, and I've mentioned them in the last few podcast episodes, but I have had uh, about five to six business coaches based off of the niche that I was learning at that time. And when I say business coaches, they may have just been the coach of an online course that I can still go back to and ask questions in the community. But nevertheless, they played a vital role in my business growth and scalability. So for example, I have two coaching programs, one for private practice profitability, whether you are new and or an existing private practice owner, a lot of my clients, about 75% of them already have a private practice, but they realize that they kind of just put it together and they were known as floaters. They just weren't paying attention to much because they didn't know what to pay attention to. And so we have the Dope Therapist Academy. We have the wait list. You can check out the wait list in the show notes. We open back in the summer of this year. We also have Elite Coaching. That's for clinicians who 
have stable income in their business. They're able to generate revenue throughout the year and they're ready to scale their business. They're beyond the growth phase. If you want to check out the details of that program and just simply get on the notification list so that you can apply um, for the program, because we're going to have a list of requirements for individuals who want to apply, then get on that wait list as well. You can get on both because that program is not open until the end of the year. So these are ways that you can invest in yourself in terms of business coaching, because I'll also tap into your mindset, wealth, and your lifestyle in all of my business coaching programs, okay? Um, Other things that I do to help clinicians invest back into their business is that all of my CE workshops that are APA approved are directly related to business growth. So some clinicians often ask me, are you going to do the suicide training? Are you going to do any trauma-informed care training? And the answer is no. I chose for that not to be my niche. As I mentioned in the previous podcast episode, even though that's a gift for me as a therapist, I am putting more of my time into my mission of positioning more therapists like yourself to have a popping business, okay? To be able to market yourself and know exactly what you are doing. So invest. It doesn't have to be my program, but if my program is a good fit, by all means, get on the wait list. It's not going to hurt you to find out what's happening, right? But I invested in myself in terms of getting business coaching to help myself increase revenue and the impact that I am making. And I hope that you will choose the same. Part of the investments that you've already made, of course, is school, trainings, licensure, CEs. So you can't say that you haven't invested in yourself because most therapists have invested at minimum $50,000 if we add our undergraduate, our graduate degree, and beyond. Also, some of the things that you would want to invest in and learn about is how do you market yourself? How do you brand yourself? How do you market a digital product? Those are things that are not taught. And typically, if you go into a straight up private practice program, because they're not a lot, but there's a good handful of therapists who do what I do, but they don't deliver the information in the way that I deliver it, all right, is that they only focus on private practice and they may not, from what I've heard, talk about what comes next. So you can't expect for clients or consumers, customers, for example, in your private practice to pay you $150 an hour or for a digital online course, $1,500 or better yet for a speaking engagement, $5,000. And you haven't invested that amount beyond your degree to grow yourself as a business owner. It's called universal laws. It's called reciprocity. All right. So as a recap, we talked about a lot today. We talked about how have I, for example, invested money into the right vehicles, at least for myself. I am not a money expert. I cannot tell you how to invest your money. I'm just simply sharing with you what has worked with me. I've shared with you spirituality and how the Bible talks about investing in seven, actually eight ventures because you never know what disaster may come up in the land. And then I gave you a breakdown of also what does it look like to invest in yourself when you may not have the financial funds to do so because internally how you feel does dictate the amount of money that you attract in your business. So if you don't feel good, if you don't feel like you look good, then you're not going to show up feeling and looking good, for example, on a social platform. And who's going to pay for your services if you're not confident even in your own services, all right? So make sure you tune in for the next podcast episode. We got a juicy one. We're going to tap into understanding your money story, all right? So if this was your first time listening to my podcast, I want to thank you for showing up and listening and tuning into the entire episode. Please make sure that you follow the podcast and that you also leave me feedback. Let me know what was your biggest takeaway. I am very curious. 
Also, if you want to connect with me, because I can't see you on the podcast, make sure you head over to my Dr. TK site page. All the links are in the show notes, but I want to connect with you. I post a lot more of quick tips and private practice tips, scalability and growth tips throughout the week, along with lifestyle stuff. So if you want to check that out, if you're a visual person, then go ahead and follow me on Instagram as well. And let me know that you're there. And so I really appreciate your time today. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle.